Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week 10, day one of our study of Galatians and Colossians. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about Colossians 4, 1 through 6. Welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word to be reading today from the NIV. This is Colossians 4, starting in verse 1. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. All right, so we are continuing the line of, of, of reasoning, what, what Paul was talking about in chapter 3. He was talking to slaves and, and how they should relate to their masters, and now he's talking directly to masters and how they should treat their slaves. Now, again, this is kind of a sticky subject because, you know, slavery is a terrible institution and... You know, the the Bible and Paul here, uh, people would want Paul to say, hey, you know, slaves, you should run away and you shouldn't do this. And, you know, it's a different world back then. Paul is not directly addressing the rights and wrongs of slavery, which has existed throughout really every culture throughout all time up until very recent history all over the world. In fact, the last country, I believe, to outlaw slavery, legalize, make slavery illegal. It was illegal. It was legal in that country. I believe it was Saudi Arabia and it was in the 1990s, if I'm not mistaken. It could have been the 1980s, but it's very, very recent that slavery was legal. And even though it's not legal right now, it's still very prevalent. Um, The differences, and I, I, talked about this last time, the differences between slavery in Paul's day and the slavery today is that it's not the law of the land, right? Paul tells slaves then to run away and he's signing their death warrant. Maybe he would have wanted to, maybe he didn't think about it. I mean, it's difficult to, to superimpose our sensibilities on someone from the past, but what he is providing is very helpful information, right? If you're going to exist in these these structures that have been created exist in them well, exist in them with character and integrity. And that's what Paul is advocating for here. Now, if the structures are illegal, <laughs> flee those structures. If those structures are, um, you know, something that is is regarded by the law and everything else as illegal, and you don't have to do it by all means, run away. But I think that the Lord willing, in my lifetime, in my children's lifetime, there will be no legal slavery. I pray that this specific piece of advice does not have to be taken seriously in my lifetime, in my children's lifetime, or my grandchildren's lifetime. But I think it also does translate to anyone who is a boss or in charge of anything right? Be fair. Do what's right. Because you've got a boss. You've got someone in heaven watching over you. Behave. Behave correctly when you're in charge, right? Now, 
I don't want to say, like, I, I never really like it when people equivocate this to someone being a boss and say it's essentially the same. It's, it's not essentially the same. It really isn't. Being a, a slave master is not the same as being a boss. We may call our bosses slave masters sometimes, but they are not the same thing. Uh, in one person, someone willingly works for you. In the other one, you own that person. So I don't like equivocating those things. The lesson, right? The lesson we can learn from this and the encouragement from this, I think it's timeless. I think we can look through Proverbs. I think all of the, the these kinds of things, they're very valuable. There's, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, treat people under you well, right? That's, that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying slave masters. He's not saying people that work for you voluntarily. He's saying slave masters, but the, the principle is the same. And the principle is consistent throughout scripture is to treat those that you have authority over. Well, don't lord your authority over them. Don't treat them poorly. Don't, don't do that. Treat them well. Right. So the principle is the same, even though the specific thing that we're talking about here is not. And again, again, I don't want to equivocate those two things. They are not the same. The principle is the same. But being a boss versus being a slave master, not at all the same. And I don't think we should should treat it as the same. I think at the moment, the principle stands. At the moment, the specific advice does not. Uh, don't own people. Christians, don't own people. Don't do it, right? That would be the current advice um, uh, I, I don't even want to speculate too much on all of the different scenarios and situations that would have existed in those days, but let's just do a, for instance, right? You've got a person who is not a believer who exists in that culture has already has slaves, is, you know, a wealthy person done well, they have slaves and they become a Christian. What do they do with those slaves, right? What do they do about that? Um, in, in many cases, and, and this is a, a very, a very culturally contextual situation. Um, do you free them? I mean, sometimes people did that. Some people, times people freed their slaves. Sometimes they might've thought maybe the slaves would be better off if I actually just treated them really well and they continue to work for me. You know, maybe that wasn't so bad in some context. I'm not saying that that's necessarily right. I'm just saying there's a lot of different ways when you find yourself in these situations that uh, you have to make those kinds of decisions. I remember um, <clears throat> George Washington owned slaves, but on his plantation, he personally owned slaves, but he also had a whole bunch more slaves that were owned by other family members that were on that plantation. And the, I believe it was the, the Marquis, um, oh, the French guy, I can't remember his name now, uh, but he, he had many conversations with George Washington, convincing him that slavery was wrong and he should let all of his slaves go. And eventually uh, other people kind of talked George Washington out of that, but he kind of convinced him. And so on his death, George Washington freed all of the slaves that he owned. 
but there were still tons of other slaves that he didn't actually own and he didn't legally have the right to free them. And so you've got situations, really sticky, ugly, messy situations like that when we look back at history where those kinds of things are going on. <clears throat> we should not read into things like this saying that the Bible is giving its stamp of approval of slavery. I don't think that in places like this, I don't think that is what it's doing. I think it's acknowledging cultural realities and teaching people how to deal with that. I do not think that it is giving its stamp of approval, at least not in this case, to the institution of slavery. Um, I don't, I, I think you can make a case that nowhere in scripture does, does it give the stamp of approval for slavery as we know it. There are some things in the conquest of Canaan where the Lord's like, yes, you can take these people as slaves essentially, but even that looked somewhat different than what we're talking about here. Uh, that's a little bit more nuanced but not exactly the same thing. At any rate, this is kind of a challenging, difficult subject in our modern context. And I think we need to understand it in that context, understand how to, to understand it and apply it today and not stretch scripture beyond what it's saying. Again, we can't say that being a boss and being a slave master are equivocated, which is something that is very often done with this. All right, with that, let's move on. Verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Most people believe that, that Paul wrote this while he's in prison in Rome or possibly in Caesarea when he's rotting in jail there for a couple of years. I think most of the scholars agree this was probably written in Rome, and, and there's some reasons why it seems like that might be the case. <clears throat> so he's saying, you know, pray for us while we share the gospel, especially, you know, I, I'm in these chains, so pray for us that, like, we might be able to effectively share this. I think that's just such a cool prayer that Paul is, is requesting on his behalf. Verse 4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. To Paul, what he means by outsiders is he means non-Christians. This is his, his word there for non-Christians. Outsiders would be people that do not have faith in Jesus as the Messiah, as their Savior, as the Son of God. That's, the, that's very clearly what he means. And so make every opportunity, every encounter you have with a non-Christian, uh, make the most of every single one of those. Every single time you have an opportunity to talk with non-Christians, uh, do whatever you can to use that opportunity to sway them toward faith in Jesus. Verse six, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So again, Paul is continuing on here. All your conversations that you're having with these outsiders and really anyone, um, let them be full of grace, right? So that you can actually give a, a, a thoughtful but a compassionate and a loving answer to everyone. Um, I remember hearing a guy one time 
he got into a debate with an atheist. It was actually a, a, a public formal debate. He got in a debate with, actually it wasn't an atheist. It was a, another Christian of some other, they were debating some, some issue of doctrine. It doesn't really matter. The, the point is the, at one point, the, the guy that, you know, I'm telling the story about here, he had kind of like the, the, the other guy had done some kind of logical fallacy or put something out there that was really insane. And this, this one guy, he could have just like used that as like the, the death blow in the debate, but he saw that the guy was, was struggling and was angry and all, all sorts of these things swirling around him. And he realized that he didn't need to beat him over the head with that point. He needed to be kind he actually wanted to be full of grace in the midst of that debate. And so he actually backed off. And um, when he tells the story is this, this great Christian leader comes up to him afterwards and he says, you know what? I saw what happened there. I saw the opportunity that he gave you. And you didn't take it and said you were kind. He said, I've, I've not seen too many people choose to not win, but instead be kind. And sometimes that's what it looks like for us, is that we don't win, but we behave with kindness. Now, sometimes we have to fight, right? It's all about understanding the context that we're in. But sometimes for the sake of the gospel, we actually lay down ourselves, lay down our desires, lay down our, our own uh, ego, so that we can be kind, so that it will just be that moment that causes that other person to say, huh, I've never seen someone act that way. Why would they do that? Again, this is not like always lay down as a doormat and let people walk over you and beat you. No, that's not what this is. That's not what this is. We have to understand the context that we're in. We understand that through the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. There is no magic bullet. One size fits all for every single situation. That's not what this is. But there are times, right? Use every opportunity, every conversation you can. Let it be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you, you know how to answer everyone, right? Walk with the Holy Spirit in everything that you do. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.